0: Awesome.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Rubin. <laughs> yeah, so I've been in practice five years, so it's interesting to come back here and see all the changes when so much has changed, yet nothing's changed at the same time. So thank you guys for having me. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about is the Triumph Brain Theory. Um, it is a theory, but it makes sense in my mind when approaching adjusting kids. and one of the things that you'll learn is just because they have a label doesn't mean they all operate the same. So you might have someone with autism that doesn't like to be touched and you're gonna have to navigate how do I approach the adjustment with someone that doesn't want to be touched. Or you might have someone on the spectrum that loves being touched, loves the sensory input and can't get enough, they love the compressions, they love everything. So this is how I approach like what type of adjustment to use and where the child's at. And this changes every day. This isn't like a one-time assessment. Um, this is every time they have come in the room. So essentially the theory operates off of three parts of your brain. And it says that if you're, it's kind of like a hierarchy where like if you're operating in your reptilian brain, this is going to be your fight or flight. This is going to be your kids that are running around, sensory overload, things like that. Then you're gonna get into the limbic brain. These are gonna be your emotional kiddos. These are gonna be the ones that um, have outbursts a lot and overreacting class often. And then you have your cortex. That's when they're utilizing the whole brain space. They're thinking higher, things like that. So when you're in your reptilian brain, the biggest thing you can develop with them is trust. They wanna know, are they safe? So ways that you can do that is, you know, getting down on their eye level, you know, talking to them. Especially when parents are around, oftentimes we tend to like look to the adult and talk to the adult. But if you're gonna put your hands on the child, you have to have rapport with them. So building rapport in the reptilian brain is gonna be really important. Um, Dr. Rubin talks about the polyvagal theory and how you can use all of your senses to connect. Um, So like slowing your heart rate, slowing your breathing, mirroring them and mirroring their energy so that you can let them feel safe once they feel safe then they're ready to receive an adjustment but up until that point it's really hard for their brain to even let you in enough to find out where you want to adjust Um, when they're in this limbic they want to know am i loved and am i heard and that's where i think really listening to the child like i said talking to the child but also just like interacting with their vibration. So um, one thing I really like to do is just rock the spine a little bit before I start to adjust anything, just to, you know, match my energy to their energy, feel what their system is telling me, and not only listening to their verbal cues, but also listening to their nonverbal cues of like, oh, that area is really tense, and just feeling the tone of their spine. Um, So once they feel loved and feel heard, then they're able to utilize their whole cortex and that's gonna be the integrating of, of actual adjustment. If someone is operating in their full cortex, you can probably deliver a better force and their body is oftentimes ready to receive it. So how this kind of works is we all operate in all of these all the time. We are constantly, you know, we have these for a purpose. However, sometimes we get stuck in that limbic brain or we get stuck in the reptilian brain. So that's why I say when, whenever a child comes in we're going to assess where they're at that day. It's going to constantly change it. Um, You know, if they're having a more stressful day, that's gonna drop them down into the reptilian brain um, where they're fight or flight, they're running. And building safety with them on that day is so important before an adjustment. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the basics of trying theory. I feel yeah, like... Talk to
0: about like, what you do. Oh, the right? schools? Yep. Yeah,
1: of course. Sorry, I totally skipped over that. I thought you wanted me to talk no, about no, this. No, like the um, okay, so I practice in the public schools in my area. Uh, I'm strictly in the schools where I see students and staff throughout the school day. Most of the students that we see are kids with special needs, kids with IEPs. Um, that's an individual lesson plan that the staff have created for them. However, um, I see kids that are maybe being challenged mentally a different way or emotionally at home, things like that, and they don't all have IEPs. Um, so it's a really unique program, as far as I know, kind of first in Wisconsin, and we're slowly starting to expand. Uh, but the district has you know, embraced us. We try and run things similar to PT and OT, in the sense of a lot of these kids on their IEPs, they have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, all built in to their school day where they leave class and they go down and go to the physical therapist floor. Um, And that might be a half hour, an hour session. So now we're trying to mirror that and bring in chiropractic as a tool as well to help them with their school day. And obviously adjustments are a lot quicker, so they're not missing class as long. Um, But we stick to chiropractic adjustments and we're seeing great improvements in their school day reported by the teacher, but also the student themselves. Uh, All the things that other chiropractors see in their office, it's just in a very controlled setting in school. Um, So Dr. Heidi Havoc is actually writing our research for us and we hope to have publications out at the beginning of next year. Um, We're also working with uh, a lot of politicians to try and Implement why a chiropractor potentially could be employed by the school district at some point. Um, so we're just trying to grow the program. The ICPA has been very supportive in it, um, and I love the ICPA. So hopefully, at some point we can all collaborate on this. But, yeah. Any
0: Great.
1: questions? Yeah. How did that start up? Was that like something they brought to the state, or brought? Is this always this more of a city? Yeah, so it started in our city. Um, The chiropractor I work with, she's um, Dr. Lona Cook. She originally started, she approached her public school, it's just Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, um, and offered on-site care for the staff. And then as that program, or that started to grow and more and more staff were getting adjusted, the school district actually asked for the students to start receiving care. And then that's when I came on, and that's full-time what I do now. Yeah, yeah. So, do you like just do you have like an office or like a table or like a room in the school? And they're like, okay, it's time for your adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. So, I actually use my like tool or Cairo Lux. Is that Mm -hmm. what it is? Uh, Table that I bought in school and I carry it around to all the schools. Um, I go to nine different schools one time a week, and I'm usually there for like an hour to two hours. And there's a list of students at that school that are signed up for care. Um, So I have a CA, she goes, she gets them out of class, brings them down, they get adjusted and they go right back. So it's also cool to see what impact we could have on the brain because a lot of Heidi Havoc's research is talking about how the adjustment's influencing the prefrontal cortex, which is gonna be your higher thinking. So if these kids can get adjusted right in school, go back, focus, sit, learn, take tests, things like that, I mean, the impact's huge. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Go ahead. (laughs) So, is that something that the parents opt into, or is this like, oh, we have to pay additional, sorry, or is this like the school system paying for it? The school does not pay for it at this point. It is all privately insured and through the parents. Um, Through our state, we have pretty good coverage with state insurance. And a lot of the kids that we see being, they have IEPs, they have disabilities. We see a lot of kids below poverty line. A lot of the kids have coverage through the state, which in Wisconsin is decent. Um, so we are using that and hopefully, you know, we just want to make it more accessible for more kids. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> Thank you so much. Of course. For to, you. Thank you. Okay. Great to see
1: you. I'll send you a message so, yeah, portals, tomorrow. Yeah. Okay,
0: perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Dr. Amanda. I just want to explain a little bit more about the triune brain and the different sorts of brain models that are out there. Um, First off, the the brain model that Dr. Melillo uh, has kind of followed is what we would call the hemispheristic model or the left brain, right brain model. And that model makes a lot of sense when you think about how someone is more dominant on one side or the other, whether they are more dominant on like the left brain uh, details, which is more like the a left brain person is more like analytical computational detail oriented etc, where the right brain person is more intuitive, you know sort of emotional uh, you know, creative, those kind of things um, so, and, and you could look at people, um, especially the way Dr. Malillo talks about it, people with autism people. Uh, with ADHD, very often have a um, their left brain isn't working as strong as their right brain, so their left brain is more dominant. Um, so that's one model is is the left brain right brain model uh, in comparison to the triune model. Another model uh, actually kind of comes from Dr. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Kahneman, who um, the author and Nobel Prize winner, etc. And he is a system one, system two. Model and remember his book, of, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, right? So, System One is like the fast, uh, instinctive, emotional kind of model, and System Two is the slower, more uh, computational, analytical kind of model. Um, and that's how how, well, how he believes in um, in how the brain works. And I, I, I mean, and I think here's the thing: all these things are right. Nobody knows really exactly how the brain works, but that's I, I think that's it's an important way to think because there are some, when you're emotional, you will think probably faster, right? Uh, you know, think about how many songs, you know, are out there, like, I shouldn't go with my heart, but I did, right? It's because it's, it's kind of a fast, impulsive decision versus a slow decision, like, should I do this? No, I you know, let's think about this pros and cons, right? That's the different kind of thinking. But then there's the triune brain, which is, is that Dr. Amanda was just talking about, which was... I really like the, the concept. It's first started in the 1960s with Paul McLean, the neuroscientist. Um, and th- that's the lizard brain, mammalian brain, and then the human brain. And th- the, the reason that that's good is because what happens is it, it, if you look at a child or a person based upon these sort of models, then you kind of can understand what's happening with them. And as Dr. Mandel was talking about, how you adjust them, right? So in my practice... What we do is we kind of look at something that maybe we can call like a neurological fingerprint sort of thing, and we decide where is this child in this fingerprint, and then based upon that, but uh, uh, but what we find in the exam, it's not just a thought. It's not just saying, well, is this kid this or this? It's where does he fit based on our exam findings? Based on those exam findings, we will adjust them either, you know, tonally only or Uh, adjust them uh, tonally with some uh, gentle uh, HVLA adjustments or just use HVLA. We will determine what sort of adjustments to do based upon where they fit, right? So as an example, like what Dr. Manda was talking about, the lizard brain, a child who's stuck in lizard brain, um, we're probably going to just do tonal work. If they're mammalian brain, we'll probably uh, do more... and because they're sort of the limbic you know kind of system we 're going to do maybe a combination, uh, and if they 're you know scoring high in neurologically, then we might just start with more HVLA, like using a, an activator or some other adjusting tool or some gentle uh, osseous adjustments um, so so that's what I, I, that's why I really enjoyed what Dr. Mando was saying, and I think it really dovetails with what Dr. is talking about <clears throat> in the hemispheristic model, but instead of saying um, well, the thing I like about Dr. Amanda's work is now you say, okay, if this, then this, if this, then this, whereas the left brain, right brain, you have to extrapolate more to get to that uh, point. So uh, plus I think is also quite amazing that Dr. Amanda has made these inroads in schools and I hope you guys um, are interested in potentially learning more about this. You should definitely contact her um, and find out more. And we also are... Um, you know, this is like 500 and something podcast for us, so I'm so glad that you're here. Tell other people about this. Um, and also tell people, we're doing intensives now. So we actually, uh, chiropractors are referring uh, to us, and we will examine your patient, adjust them multiple times during a week, some of them coming from out of state, even out of country, uh, and then send them back to you uh, with a whole new description of what's going on, uh, exercises, recommendations, adjustment recommendations, etc. So it's been working super well, um, especially for those super duper challenging cases you might be getting. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting feedback from this. And I'll be speaking at The Wave uh, this week. So uh, you'll be hearing that next time on the podcast.